day and uh, what Christmas is all about. Our theme over this um, Christmas season, as you can see from the, the poster board on the wall over there, has been the unexpected gift. And that's because there's so many aspects of the Christmas story that are really unexpected. It's very unexpected for God to choose a 14 or 15-year-old girl. She was unknown. She was nobody special. And yet He chooses her to become the mother of Jesus, young Mary. It's very unexpected because of the, the way God is working in this whole situation. We see the amazing way, the very unexpected way that God is working. And then this morning what we want to look at is, is God's unexpected provision that comes through the birth of Christ. So uh, we're going to pick up the account in, in Matthew's Gospel. The only two of the Gospel writers that write about the Christmas story, one is, is Matthew and the other one is Luke. And interestingly enough, Matthew seems to focus on Joseph and Luke seems to focus on Mary. But we're going to read uh, from Matthew's Gospel in chapter 1. And this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly, and that was the kindest thing he could do to her under the circumstances. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she'll give birth to a son, and you to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. You to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. I don't know if you've noticed that there are a variety of reasons why people give their children the names that they've got. I wonder, for those of you who are parents here today, why you gave your children the name that you gave them. I hope they're happy with the name that you've given them. And that often comes out at school, doesn't it, when you get a nickname. And often the nickname might be a shortened version of what your folks gave you. And that may not always be so nice. And, uh, but we, we, we see that today you have to be quite careful because of social media, because of the bullying that takes place in social media, you've got to be really careful about the name uh, that you give to your child. But, but isn't it amazing that there are sort of nicknames that have stuck with people? Don't know if anybody knows a person or that's got a nickname by the name of Chalky. I, I've known two people in my lives, they've got the, I don't even know why they've got the name, nickname Chalky. One of, one of them was my school teacher that taught me maths. And maybe I can understand that from writing on the board he was full of chalk. Maybe it was something to do with that. The other one is just a friend that, that I got to know in East London and uh, his name is Chalky. And then you get people that are called Buster. Some of you know Buster who's from our church. That's not his real name. That's a nickname that he was given. It's just stuck with him for life. And you get people who've got nicknames like Tiny. And when you get a nickname like Tiny, you normally know you're about seven foot tall and about this wide and can't get through a door. But then there are people who are given, who are given uh, names because of what their name means. 
And I uh, wonder how many of you here this morning know what your name actually means. Um, but but I, Terry and I had the privilege uh, this uh, past week of meeting a new couple that uh, has started worshiping at Connect Church, and, and, and they've applied for membership. And one of the things we do is we like to get uh, to meet people when they, uh, when they apply for membership in our church. And, and, and he's got a very unusual name. His name is Tino Tender. We call him Tino for short, but his full name is Tino Tender. And I said to him, like, say, I said, what's your name mean? Because it's a Shauna name. And I said, what's your name, your, the, your name mean? And he said, my name means thankful. So when you hear the name thankful, you've got to ask yourself, where did that all come from? So he said, well, what actually happened in, in our family? He said, my parents were desperate for a boy. And after the fourth girl had been born, and then I came along, there was only one thing my folks could say, thank you. And so they called me thank you or thankful. So every time they speak to me, Ray, they remember that they are thankful. But when Mary and Joseph are told to give their son a name, they're told to call him Jesus because that name had significance and that name had meaning. That name meant Jehovah is salvation. It means God is going to save people. And the reason that they're told to call their son Jesus or Jehovah is salvation, is because when God looked at the world, He saw that the world was not in a good way. I don't know if you would say today that the world is not in a good place. When you read News 24, all the news you read is bad news. It's almost a miracle when you read some good news today. So there's so much bad news. It is so obvious, and we, we're fortunate today we can pick up the global uh, news instantaneously on our cell phones. We know what's going on all over the world instantly. And the, the picture that's coming to me is the world is not in a good place now. And I want to say to you, when Jesus was born, the world was not in a good place. You know, um, Terry and I, we... Uh, we traveled to Pretoria, we were on sabbatical and traveled to Pretoria earlier this year. And when we came back, we stopped at a place called Beaufort West. Anybody know where Beaufort West is? Okay, some of you do. And we overnighted over there. And when we stopped in Beaufort West and I was putting some fuel in my vehicle, I noticed a big sign where we were putting in fuel. It said, genuine Karoo lamb for sale. And I don't know if you've had any genuine Karoo lamb. I can see here's a man who has. But I, and I need to apologize if you're a vegetarian or you're a vegan today, but I like my meat. And when we got home, I, we had bought some of this Karoo lamb and I put it on the brine when I tasted that chop. I knew what I'd been missing out on all my life now that I tasted the genuine thing. And, and the reason, friends, when I, when I say, well, God, when He saw the world, He saw that it was not in a good place. He, he, he recognizes the world is not in a good place because he knew what the world was intended to be like. God did not intend our world to be the way that it is today. God didn't intend people to murder one another. God never intended people to slander one another. God never intended people to hate one another and all of the other stuff that is going down. And when God looks at it, He always sees the world the way He wanted it to be in the first place. I think it is possible 
when we read the Bible, to get the idea that God's got it in for us as people. You know, when you read Romans uh, chapter 1, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men. That sounds like, like, wow, that's heavy stuff. Romans 3 says there's no one righteous, not even one. Romans uh, 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then there's that description that, that Paul uh, gives to Timothy when he's writing to him of what it's going to be like in the end times. A terrible place to live in. And isn't the point that we need to admit that things actually are in a bad way? That's the whole point. You see, when, when we go back to the book of Genesis, we discover that before Adam and Eve actually sinned, God was pleased with His creation. God was happy with what He saw. When God looked at the world, He was not disturbed as He is now. Because it says in Genesis chapter 1, God saw all that He made and it was very good. And Christmas is a reminder to us that God Himself has come to do something about our broken world. That's what Paul is writing about in 2 Corinthians. God was reconciling the world to Himself. And the way that He was going to reconcile the world to Himself, the way that He was going to rectify it, the way that He was going to put things right was through Jesus Jesus will save people from their sins. The question you've got to ask yourself is, how is Jesus going to do that? How does Jesus save people from all the religiousness that's going around? How does Jesus save people from all of their own attempts to save themselves? How does Jesus save, them, uh, save people from their rebelliousness and when people won't listen to God? How's He going to do that? Because that's exactly what the angel said to Joseph. Through Jesus, God is going to save people from their sins. Well, the only way I can explain that to, to you is by going on about 33 years from this moment when Jesus is born. When a young Jewish rabbi by the name of Jesus is arrested. And then he's falsely accused of blasphemy. He's publicly humiliated. He's mocked by some Roman soldiers and then suffers one of the most painful and inhumane deaths that has ever been devised by man. It was called the crucifixion. And it's at the cross that this salvation happened. Nowhere else. It happened when Jesus was crucified. God was saving men and women from their sin. It's at the cross that things get sorted out. Every crime, every rape, every bit of stuff that's happened in our world, all of the brokenness, it was sorted out at the cross. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God. Or Isaiah, hundreds of years before that, he was pierced for your transgressions. He was pierced for my transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. And isn't that what we need to focus on today? 
every Christmas. Jesus saves people from their sin, not by ignoring it, not by avoiding it, not by pretending it didn't happen, but Himself taking the punishment we deserve upon Himself. That's why the birth of Jesus is such a big deal. And if I may be bold enough to say this morning, we cannot let that be overshadowed by Christmas trees, jingle bells, and fathers. And there's everywhere you go, you see Father Christmas, jingle bells, Christmas trees, and that kind of stuff. And, and, and I'm, I'm not against us celebrating and the festive season, but friends, we need a focus on Jesus. Christmas is actually about Him. And it's always been about Him. You see, God's unexpected gift is, is, has come to us not because we deserve it. None of us deserve it. You don't deserve it and I don't deserve it. But the good news of this whole Christmas story is God never did it because we deserve it. Do you know that Jesus came and Jesus was born because God loved us? Do you know that Jesus was born to be the Savior of the world because God cared about us? I want to say to you, when you go back to Christmas, you remember and you see and I see how much God cares for us. How many of you remember John 3.16, for God so what? God loved that he gave his son. God loved you. God loved me. God cares about what happens to us. God cares about people. Or some of you may remember Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But you know the tragedy of the world we live in is we're living in a world of entitlement. Have you discovered that? In South Africa, there's a, there, there's a culture of entitlement, what I deserve, my right, what I should have. And sometimes it's really difficult to understand or get your head around God's undeserved favor in a culture of entitlement. But there I've discovered there's a, there's a story in the Bible that helps us to discover uh, God's undeserved favor, what that really means. And it's the story of the, the, the Good Samaritan. Sorry, not the Good Samaritan, the Prodigal Son. And the Prodigal Son is a story about a young Jewish boy who wanted his inheritance up front. He wanted his dad before his dad even died. I mean, just think of that. You going to your parents saying, Hey, Dad, before you knock off, can I get my inheritance? Like, what an insult, don't you think? All you're interested in is the money. And you know why he wanted that? He wanted to go and live it up. He wanted to do what he liked without any restraints, and so he did. And you know what? That young man did everything that every single one of us as parents don't want our kids to do. That's the tragedy of the story. He did drugs, maybe in that, his day, whatever that was. Immoral behavior, wrong hanging out with the wrong crowd, getting drunk, spending money on whatever he wanted, brothels, prostitutes, bars. Like it so often happens, that began to bite him. And this Jewish young man ends up in the last place 
any Jewish young man would like to end up. It's called a pigsty. Now, I wouldn't like to end up in a pigsty, nor would I like to fill my belly with pig's milk. That's what, where we came from. Yeah, that's quite a heavy place. It's, you know you've hit the rock bottom when you're a Jewish young man and you end up in a pigsty looking after pigs and you feel like eating the food that's given to them. And in desperation, he humbles himself. And in desperation, he decides, well, I'm going to go back to my dad and I'm going to beg him to just give me a place in his home. May I just at least be a servant or a slave in his house. That's all I want, better than this. And when he returns home, his father does the unexpected. This is what his father does. It tells us in Luke 15. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on. Then he, he doesn't stop there. He says, put a, a ring on his finger. It's a sign of sonship. I want you to put sandals on his feet and bring, not that's not enough, now you must go and bring the fattened calf, kill it, let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine who is dead is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And so they began to celebrate. Friends, that's a picture of God. Amen. Friends, that's the picture of the God of the Bible. He's not a God who's raising his fist wanting to destroy as many lives as possible. He's a God who comes as the Savior Jesus, born into the world as a human being, and he comes to save people that they can be set free, that they can be welcomed back into their Father's house. And friends, when you go back, you'll discover God's welcome, not man's welcome. You see, it's because Joseph and Mary believed the word that came to them. That what God intended began to unfold. Let me share with you some of the things that happened just because they believed. Just because they believed the word, they witnessed what God had promised. They witnessed, they were the two people on the planet, the first two people on the planet to witness the birth of Jesus himself, to see God's son in the flesh. May I say to you this morning, it's because we believe that God's promises for us begin to unfold as well. You see, God's got a plan and promise for us and for our lives. And friends, it's when we believe, it's when we believe what God has said that we begin to see those things as well. It's because they, what, of what they believe that, that Jesus escapes with his parents to, to Egypt. Remember, the angel brought a word to Joseph and said, you, you need to flee. And he escaped what Herod intended. What did Herod intend? He wanted Jesus to be put to death. He was threatened by that. So he has all the young boys under the two, uh, age of two years old in, in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. They are put to death. Jesus escapes because they believe. Friends, there are those of you, you might not even realize that this morning, who are sitting here today, you have escaped what could have happened to you because you've believed. Because the Bible tells me that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life, and you are sitting here this morning, you haven't been destroyed because you believed. It's because Joseph and Mary believed that 12 ordinary men started a movement 
that has had an unprecedented impact on the world. The movement that started because two young people, a man and a woman, just believed what the angel said. And it resulted in 12 men who followed Jesus and believed him and started a movement. And it's impacting your businesses and your schools and your families because they believed. Friends, I want to say to you this morning, if you will believe, God will use you to impact as well. The world will be different when we believe this as well. When we grasp it because you see the process hasn't stopped yet. He's still impacting lives when people believe. It's because you and I believe that we are changed. Do you know that because they believed, Mary and Joseph believed that we worshiping God were reformed? Can you think of that? Over 2,000 years later, we are sitting in this building, singing songs, worshiping God, acknowledging Jesus because a young couple just believed. Christmas 2018 is a reminder. And here's the reminder. If you believe what God has said, and when I believe what God has said, hope begins to rise in me. You see, hope is birthed because you believe. Hope is birthed when you believe. Hope is birthed because you believe. You know that it's when you believe that things turn out differently. Because one thing that you and I don't know is what tomorrow would look like without Christ. You don't know. There's none of you, there's not a person here who has the ability to predict your tomorrow. Except in Jesus, you know his promises. Friends, your tomorrow becomes your tomorrow because of what you believe. It's because of what we believe that what God has planned for our lives becomes a reality. You see, God's got a plan for every one of you. God's got a plan for people's lives. It's not sort of a hit and miss, let's see what happens, cause and effect, yin and yang. That's not God's plan. God has a plan and a purpose for every life, and it's because we believe that that purpose begins to become a reality. What the angels said to the shepherds so many years ago is still true today. I bring you good news that will be great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And he is Christ the Lord. just reminded again this morning as I've been preaching of the 